Chapter 7, the book of Boba Fett. It happened. It was an episode. How'd you all feel? Happy? Sad? Relieved? Annoyed? Maybe all the above. Well, welcome to Han Talks First. I'm Han. This is a Star Wars show. We're going to talk about episode 7 today. Break everything down. I'm going to share my thoughts with you, and I'd love to hear from you guys too. So if you're watching this live or on the playback, Go in the comment section. Let me know your thoughts and we'll interact with you there. Um, it was an episode. So let's jump into it. This is Han Talks First. So who talks first? You talk first. I talk first. So the show is finally over. Seven episodes of the Book of Boba Fett. You know, just to kind of give you a broad overview of, you know, what I thought of this show overall. Well, here's how this show is going to work today. I'm going to share my thoughts on the show overall, and then I'm going to talk about my positives, and then I'm going to go into my negatives, because I did have positives. Overall, my issues did outweigh my praises, but I want to be respectful to the people that like the show and to the showrunners themselves and the people that worked on it, because there is some good quality stuff in there. It's behind a bunch of other stuff, but it's there. So before we do, though, I just want to remind everybody, you know, I did an episode on Monday. It was a re-release, but I had never put it on YouTube. It was my Star Wars villains ranking, and I ranked all the villains from the Skywalker Saga films. So if you want to hear that, you can head on over to the YouTube channel or on the podcast feed. Listen to that there and share me what your favorite villain of all time is. And I'm going to start doing a little bit more of the audio podcast released on YouTube. So coming up this Monday is actually going to be a new episode called Balance of the Force. And what is it? And pretty much I take different prophecies from the books, explain how they evolve into this overall theme of balance, and I break it down per each trilogy. So, you know, let me know if you guys want to see more of that kind of stuff and look out for that episode coming on Monday. So basically, let me start off by saying this whole series, how I felt while I was watching it. Well, if you want to know how I felt watching this series, this photo sums it up. <laughs> For those of you that uh, aren't watching the video platform, well, I put up the photo of the Mandalorian having his head chewed on by the Rancor. By the way, this is going to be a spoiler discussion. It says it in the thumbnail, so... You know, you've been warned. And I think with television these days, with streaming, there is no protocol for spoilers. So whatever. But yeah, the whole series, I was always on the fence about. From the beginning, I was kind of championing this show. I was like, okay, it's kind of slow. It's kind of iffy. But hey, let's let's keep going. Let's keep watching. Maybe it'll get better. And, you know, parts of it didn't get better. But then it got to episode five and episode six where they went off world and went back into the Mandalorian's life. A little bit more of Luke and Grogu. And those episodes were amazing. Best episodes of the series had nothing to do with Boba Fett. <laughs> Maybe a little Boba Fett adjacent, but it was nothing to do with them. And I see a couple of people are watching live. I will uh, say hello to anyone watching in a second. Um, but I'm going to start with my uh, first of all overview. But with this episode, episode seven, chapter seven, which is called In the Name of Honor, it was okay. You know, it had good elements to it. It had fun, cool stuff. But 
a lot of it was shadowed by some of the poor filmmaking, poor writing, and lacking directional awareness. I will say, though, you know, with all the cool stuff, it was a little overstimulating and underwhelming. That's my key phrase when talking about this episode. And that's how I felt. Watching it, I felt like that cat meme where the cat's falling asleep and then he wakes up every once in a while. And I will say, you know, I did find it entertaining because of that. There's a bunch of cool elements in this, some payoffs that had been set up in the past that were delivered on. We got some answers to questions we've been asking for a little while. And it was entertaining. Not entertaining enough to retain my attention because I found myself going to the kitchen, getting snacks, going to the bathroom, and not pushing pause. But it was entertaining nonetheless. And this was me after the show had ended waiting for a post-credits. I was sitting there, <laughs> hands clasped, praying, asking, please be an Obi-Wan teaser. Please be an Obi-Wan teaser. And then we got a post-credits scene that was very lackluster, <laughs> which we'll talk about a little later. But the big question I want to start off asking with is, what was this show about? What was the reason for this show? Now, you could argue that any television show in history never needed to have a reason to be made, which is true. But this show was made. What was the purpose behind it? What was the theme? What was the message? Where did we go and where did we come from? And a lot of that got totally thrown out the window when Boba Fett said this at the end of this episode. He looks at Fennec Shannon. He said, they're walking through the streets. They're you know, being bowed to and everything from all the pedestrians. And he says to Fennec, we're not meant for this. That This is what you've been fighting for for the past... Uh, five chapters of the show and apparently for the past you know five six years since return of the jedi so what do you mean you're not meant for this why how are you just now figuring that out and in his conversation with cad bane he was saying um cad bane asked him the question what's your angle and i was like thank you because we've not had that addressed to us yet in this series what is boba fett's angle what's the reason behind it all and he just said, you know, I love this city. I love these people. I want to protect it. Okay, cool. We got that answer. Hell yeah. We finally figured out Boba Fett and what his reasons were for all this. And then at the end, he looks at Fennec and he says, we're not meant for this. Okay, so the past six weeks of my life have been just kind of wasted. Not to mention it was also kind of throwing away the season two of The Mandalorian and some in some aspects, but I'll get into that a little later too. But that's the question I want to ask you guys. What is the point of the show? How did you feel after it was over? What were your thoughts overall? And I understand a lot of people loved this episode. I do. It's, it had good elements. It had cool elements. For me, there was more negatives than positives, but I want to share with you my positives because there are some cool things in it. I'm going to say hello to some people who've joined us live if you're watching on Twitch or YouTube, welcome. It's good to have you. Hi, Robin. Nice to see you. <laughs> she, she says it was certainly an episode. And so weird that it was seven. It should have been eight and actually Boba's. LOL. I agree. Um, Boba Fett was kind of lost in the show. And I know you're saying it should be in eight episodes. Kind of, you know, redeeming the fact that 
both Boba hadn't been in the last two episodes to, to kind of have more screen time and also to have a two-part finale to kind of make sure you wrap up everything with a nice little bow on top, tuck it in bed and say goodnight. So I totally hear what you're saying. Sith Care Bear, what's up, Josh? Good to see you, my friend. I hope you're doing good. Thanks for joining us on this episode. And I see some of you are saying uh, in the chat, Obi-Wan has a release date and it was announced for May 25th. I did not hear that. But if I'm correct, May 25th was the release date of the original Star Wars. So I, I'm a little disappointed by that because... You had the best opportunity in the world to release it on May the 4th. I just, how do you let that go? <laughs> Man, that's kind of disappointing. But the 45th anniversary of the original Star Wars, so I guess that's kind of cool. We get to celebrate that with Obi-Wan Kenobi, but dang, May the 4th would have been so cool, you know. I'm a little disappointed by that. <laughs> but uh, that reminds me, on the 13th Super Bowl, I don't watch Super Bowl, but we are suspected to have an Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer. So I'll be doing a reaction to that and talking about it. Um, but thank you guys for joining us. So I want to kind of just jump all over the place here. But like I said, I'm going to start with my positives. And I want to start off with a Rancor. Oh my God, the Rancor. This was one of those payoffs I was telling you about. It was set up that he would ride the Rancor through town. And it was so it was just so awesome to see. But part of that, what I was saying earlier about there was a bunch of cool stuff, but it just it didn't make any sense or it was done poorly. Well, we saw no training of Boba Fett learning to ride it. And the the Wrangler himself, the Rancor Wrangler, said that it's going to take a long time. I mean, <laughs> maybe there's a passage of time we didn't get to see, such as episode five and six, when he did learn that. But it would have been cool to see that process go down. But this was one of the best moments in this chapter. Seeing Boba Fett ride the Rancor through town, wrecking shop, it was amazing. And then on top of that, going toe-to-toe with Baby Yodster himself. That was so cool. And something I didn't think was going to happen, but surprised me and made me pretty happy about it. Baby Yoda used the Force a lot in this episode. You know, he, he took down one of those droids by un, undoing the screws, and he put a Rancor to sleep. This little bitty thing put this giant beast to rest and it was it was cool and it was he's so cute i'm going to talk about baby yodster a little later but uh the rancor stuff was fantastic and i i loved it even the mando try, being chewed by it was pretty cool i will say i loved all the rancor stuff except the part where they went full meta and embraced king kong they had him hanging off the the tower throwing stuff and like i was like this is too meta it's it's too close to home for what they're trying to do it would have it would have gotten across to the audience that you're trying to compare it to king kong but did you really have to go all the way <laughs> that was the one thing but the rancor made it into this episode and it was an excellent payoff to this episode but one thing i wanted to see more of with the rancor i was kind of hoping the Wrangler would come in. Machete, Danny Trejo himself. Honestly, I would love to see a whole entire series with Danny Trejo as the Rancor Wrangler. Think about it. Machete in space. It would be amazing. He's got a machete lightsaber. He's going around. He's training Rancors. 
You know, he's buying and selling them. He's breeding them. He's going to take over the planet Tatooine. Bring it on. I say let's have the Book of Machete coming soon to Disney+. Plus. Actually, you know what? I don't think they could handle it. The Book of Machete coming soon to HBO Max. R-rated content. It's going to be dope. Machete, don't text everybody. <laughs> what did you guys think of the Rancor? I thought it was pretty great. And I want to see more, honestly. I want a, a spinoff of Machete and the Rancor. There, Disney+. Plus. What are you doing, guys? Let's get it going. <laughs> so some other things I liked. The scenes where Boba Fett and Mandalorian were kind of teaming together and, you know, wrecking shop. Good old Bob the Farmer and Manbro. Manbro and Bob. All these shots with them together fighting were really cool. I love their chemistry too. I think they have great chemistry together. I think Boba Fett kind of disrespects Mandalorian sometimes. You know, he kind of treats him like a child. You know, he's like, you know, you really follow that religious philosophy of yours and doesn't really, he's not as respectful to him as he is to other people. I mean, I feel like he's more respectful to his his motorcycle gang than he is to the Mandalorian, which is kind of weird, but I guess you could look at it as where he owes him a favor type of thing. But the shots were really cool. You know, I loved seeing them fly around with their jetpacks, but it, at the same time, it was like, why, why did you stop flying around? You, <laughs> as Obi-Wan would say, you have the high ground. You have the advantage. It's over Anakin. It's over Pikes. We have the high ground, but look, the shots were cool. It was done really well. Again, their chemistry is great. Loved seeing them fly around. You know, but part of the issue with Manbro and Bob is, you know, they didn't really have much to do. I know it was really cool to see them go up against the droids with the Darksaber and fly around and all that kind of stuff, but I didn't feel like the characters were going anywhere. They didn't have a plan. And the plan that was formulated by Boba Fett at the beginning was to hide out in the palace. That sounds like a great idea. Why would you stay in the middle of town where they can surround you when you have a fortress at your home that also has your fire, fire, what is it called? Boba Fett's starship, slave one, whatever it's called, fire spree. But he has a whole entire ship that he can fly around and take people out with the gunners and he doesn't use it. Why? <laughs> why? I mean, you went back to get the Rancor, which is cool. It was cool to see, but why not get the spaceship? Fly around, tear people apart. You could release one of those detonators again. I don't know. But look, they, I feel like they didn't really have anywhere to go. You know, it was partially due to, you know, they didn't have a plan, obviously. I, I really think if they'd have gone to the palace, it would have made a lot more sense. And this leads me to this epic war that they were having at the end of this episode for the past six chapters it was leading up to this war and they kept mentioning they kept saying that word there's war coming war it's gonna be war it's gonna be epic and then we get there and it doesn't really feel like a war does it it was a fight <laughs> it was a fight all the all his all his gang was like flying around you know pretty much running away from stuff the whole time but if they knew this war was coming the entire time, which they mentioned every chance they got, why not plan a strategy? You know, why not formulate a plan instead of having people stand out in the open? You know, you have Chrysanthemum in the middle of town square. You have 
the Gamorian guards standing in the middle of the trading or the um, the train yard, whatever that's called. And then the Vespa gang is just flying around like in Back to the Future. It just didn't it just didn't feel like it made sense to me. It felt a little lazy in its in its writing composition. You know, when they kept leading up, they kept saying war, war is coming. It's going to be an epic war battle. I expected to see that, you know, and they knew it was coming. I just wish they had prepared just a little bit more, you know. Now, before I talk about Baby Yodster, I'm going to take a look and see uh, what you guys are saying in the chat, and then we can continue on. Um, Sith Care Bear says that I felt like this episode locked or lacked the cinematic look of the last two episodes. Yeah, you know, you know what's interesting about that is I think part of it has to do with Tatooine. Tatooine is pale. It's a pale area. You know, it's it's all like orange, white, off-white type look. And I think that has something to do with it. You know, there's not much dynamic in the colors. But the other part of it has to do with the director. Look at the episodes that Robert Rodriguez directed. He, he has a very specific style that he embraces with all his original content. And in the ones he used for the Book of Boba Fett, they look low budget. They feel low budget. You know, when I was watching this war, this battle happen on Moss Espa streets, I kept thinking to myself, I feel like I'm watching Disney Channel. <laughs> to be fair, I'm watching Disney Plus. But it felt like I was back in the early 2000s as a kid watching Disney Channel. You know, th- there were no steaks. Everyone loves steak with a little bit of butter on top, a little bit of sauce. I'm kidding. But I'm going to talk about some of the steaks that were, you know, lacking of a little later. Because I thought one thing that this show did, especially this episode, was it broke canon. And it broke a bunch of logic and rules that had been established in Star Wars for years already. But yeah, the the cinematic look of this episode looked vastly different from the previous two. I agree with you. The book of everyone but Boba Fett. I love that comment. (laughs) That's hilarious. Robin said they also didn't do May the 4th because the 25th is also falls on a Wednesday. Uh, Yeah, I think. uh, Yeah, I think the 4th was also a Wednesday, too, though. Rancor Kong looked pretty good. Yes, Josh, totally. And he also says the whole story was rushed and felt like an afterthought just to use as a vessel for Mando stuff. So yeah, I I can see what you're saying. Parts of this did feel rushed, but it also felt like it was dragging on and being stretched out. And some of that has to do with some of the voiceover work. You know, in the opening montage where they're talking about how they are strategized and placed all around town, Fennec Shan narrates the whole thing. Fennec Shand also narrates pretty much everything Boba Fett is thinking in this episode. And a lot of it is like exposition dialogue that I think didn't need to be there. And don't get me started on that that guy, that tailhead guy. Gosh, that he was so annoying. He, you could cut out all of his stuff. It, the episode would still be fine. But yeah, the whole story did feel rushed, but it also felt stretched out. It's weird to kind of you know, compare that. Um, the Kong part was definitely heavy handed. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Josh also says, what a waste of Cad Bane. I'm going to talk about Cad Bane because I have some thoughts too. But let me talk about Baby Yoda real quick because I loved 
everything with Baby Yoda. I, I don't think they can do something with Baby Yoda that I won't enjoy because the, the thing is so cute. <laughs> but he's, he came back, obviously. We found out that he chose, instead of the lightsaber that was previously owned by Yoda, he decides to grab his chain mail, his little short, and go back and see Mando. And a lot of people guessed this. You know, a lot of people did. I personally was hoping that Baby Yoda was going to take the lightsaber. Because part of what this does, that he chooses the chainmail and to go back to Mando, it feels like it kind of undoes what happened at the end of Mandalorian Season 2 and undoes a lot of what was set up in Mandalorian, where the whole point of the show was to bring him back to his people and get him home. Now, yeah, you can say his true home is with Mandalorian, and that's where that's his people now. That's where he belongs. But it's just it's confusing to me. You know, it, I feel like it just undoes season two because now we're going into season three, and there's there's nothing remaining for him for Mandalorian to do about this situation with Baby Yoda. And I also feel like it would have been better for Luke as well to keep him there and train him as a student. And then you can address all of this Baby Yoda stuff in season three of The Mandalorian, which I honestly think should have been reserved for. Because let's face it, this book of Boba Fett, those chapters that they were in, it was The Mandalorian season three. You know, another great part about Baby Yoda was, of course, the ending shot. And I loved it. This should have been the post credit scene. And the reason why it should have been the post credit scene is because it's like, hey, the next series with Baby Yoda is Mandalorian. So they're shooting off into the next adventures. That should have been the post credit. But when he was banging on the glass, telling him to go into like hyperspeed or whatever, I, I loved it. It was so cute. The little damn thing is so freaking adorable. I just want to put it in my pocket and go everywhere with it. And then, of course, Baby Yoda, one of the great moments was him putting the Rancor to sleep. Look, Grogu is a powerful MFer. Okay, don't sleep on Grogu. Not like the Rancor. <laughs> the Rancor slept on Grogu and look what happened. But look, <clears throat> Grogu is the future of Star Wars on Disney+. Plus. I mean, for one, from a business point of view, he's a cash cow. He makes them so much money. And then in another, people love him. He's, he's fascinating. He's mysterious. And we're at a point where we get to see this character at such a young age and we get to grow with him. And that's going to that's gonna impact a lot of people. You know, a lot of people love this little green baby. When he jumped into Mando's arms when they first met, I, I was uh, not going to lie. I got a little choked up. <laughs> he's so cute. And, you know... Baby Yoda was great. He wasn't my favorite part of this episode. He was for the past episode, but my favorite part of this episode was actually Cad Bane. And I know that sounds a little weird to say because, of course, he met his ultimate demise in this chapter and didn't have much to do. It was kind of lackluster. But the reason why Cad Bane was my favorite part of this chapter was because he was done so well. He was done so well. The makeup, the prosthetics, the the acting, whoever's controlling him robotically on the side, the voice, it was performed well. 
And that's what I'll say. You know, there's still a lot of pushback from people that he doesn't look exactly like the Clone Wars version of himself. And I was having a conversation with my friend Joe, who I've had on the show before, if you guys remember. And I was asking him his thoughts on this. And he was telling me, you know, you can't really judge it like that, you know, based on the animated version, because you're adapting a hyper stylized abstract version of something and making it reality. And a great example to compare that to is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Look at Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Clone Wars. Looks nothing like Ewan McGregor in the prequel movies. Count Dooku, who is also voiced by the voice of Cad Bane. Count Dooku looks absolutely nothing like Count Dooku in the show or Christopher Lee. It's a hyper-stylized version of something. So it's going to look different. It has to because it's, it's a completely different medium. So I think we can let that go to rest. You know, he doesn't look exactly like the animated version, but he still looks great, guys. You know, and just him speaking is fantastic. I loved how they portrayed this character. Now, I will say there were issues I had. Okay. It wasn't all just gumdrops and rainbows. Cad Bane dying. Look, I am 100,000% okay if you want to kill off Cad Bane. I'm, I'm down for it. Do it. It's totally fine. And I think the way it was done was just, I thought it was poetic. I thought it worked. But the dude is in this show for less than five minutes. It may even be less than four minutes. He's barely in the show. And he was set up at the end of this chapter to be the final boss battle. The epic fight. The final showdown between Boba and his arch enemy Cad Bane. And I don't think that works. It didn't have as big of an impact as it should have or as much as they probably wanted it to. Cad Bane should have been introduced way earlier in this show or at least teased a little bit more or acting as a character in the background, pulling some strings behind certain machinations. You know, he's a great character. He, made, he came in at the end of the last episode and made a huge splash with the fan base and with the series. It was like, whoa, where are they going now? And then the next episode, he comes in and he pretty much says, I'm going to go. He tells the mayor, I'm going to go see Boba Fett and I have something that will leverage him to negotiate. And then when he goes into the streets, talks to Boba, and he starts to bring up negotiations, he doesn't have anything that's going to leverage. He brought up the fact that the Pikes were the ones that killed the Tuscans, but he made it seem like he was going to have something deep-rooted on Boba Fett that was going to really get in his feels, you know, but it didn't happen. And then, of course, they have the showdown. They have the showdown. It was a really quick gunsling. And then Boba Fett stabs Cad Bane. Now, another question I have is where the hell did Boba Fett get the staff? Where did he get it? It was not on his person. <laughs> Unless it's like one of those retractable sticks, but it's not. <laughs> it's made from wood. And that's what I was thinking once he pulled it out and whacked him with it. I was like, where, where, the, where the hell did this come from? Did you pull it out of your ass? Your boba ass? Or your boba feet? I don't know. Whatever. Again, I still think it could have worked. It was just done poorly. I don't know. 
I think Cad Bane should have been established as a bigger threat. He should have been introduced earlier. That's where I'm going with this. You know, and along with him, the Pikes. The Pikes should have come in earlier, too. We should have seen them threatening Boba Fett way earlier, but we didn't. They came in at episode four. And I was like, why? <laughs> why are you doing this? And they didn't actually make moves until episode six. So last week when they bombed the uh, casino place. You know, I don't want this to be a continuing thing to happen in these shows and the movies where they introduce this character and then he's done. It's just a cameo. It's the same stunt they've been pulling over and over and over. Luke Skywalker, you know, John Williams, the people that are walking in the background in Rogue One. There's tons of examples. You know, we could be here all day. Darth Maul at the end of Solo. It's it's a gimmick. It's a cheap, cheap shot to stir up the fans. And that's what it felt like more than actually having a narrative purpose here. I still loved the character in live action, but narratively, I don't think it works or made any sense at all. And this kind of leads me into my comment I made about this show and this episode in particular breaking the rules of canon and of Star Wars. And logically, you know, it kind of resets logic in Star Wars. And the best way for me to explain that is by the fact that no one can die. No one can die in this show. <laughs> they, they've established that. When, they, when Boba Fett revived Fennec Shan was the first example of that, and I spoke on that when I did that review. But he brings him into the mod shop, and we get to meet that musician guy. I can't remember his name. And he fixes up Fennec, replaces her with body modifications, and then she's good. She's good. It's all good. Now, you can defend that. I, I was okay with doing it one time. But then they, they do it again. They do it again in this episode by, of course, the post credit scene, Cobb Vanth. Now, he wasn't in a body mod chamber, but he got put in the bathtub tank. Again, can't die. No one can die in this universe. I could go on. <laughs> Chrysanthemum. He was shot 30 times, and that was just in his ass. Overall, he probably got shot 60 times, but 30 shots he took to the butt. Yeah, you can actually see it if you, if you pause it in the right moment. Chrysanthemum got shot in the booty. <laughs> but he doesn't die. That dude should have been gone, long gone. And then you have, what, 80 to 100 Pikes Marines firing at the Vespa squad and Fennec and Boba, Mando, etc. The heroes are out in the open. And no one gets hurt? Except Chrysanthemum, shot in the ass. <laughs> but no one gets hurt. There's no casualties at all. Are you serious? How? Everyone was out in the open the whole time. No one can die. No one can die. Now, getting into this body modification stuff and the bath to pod, all this stuff, it's breaking the rules of Star Wars. You know, look at Luke Skywalker when he got his hand chopped off and he went to go get a mechanical hand in, in replacement of that. That was significant. Because he was losing a limb. You know, there's this thing in Star Wars where, you know, the force is we, we contract it and we release it through our limbs. So fingertips, feet, um, our head, obviously, maybe some other appendages. Huh? 
Um, but that's how we access the force and how we, how we, uh, you know, bring it through our bodies is through our limbs. So when Luke loses that, he, he loses a bit of his force connectivity, which is a big thing. And then Anakin, of course, having a similar situation. But when you start giving body modifications like this to tons of other characters, it most importantly lessens the value and the, the character of Darth Vader. Because think about it, in A New Hope, Darth Vader is said to be, you know, he's more machine now than man. He's scary because he's half machine. He's, he's augmented. He's, he's modified. He's, he's a threat. He's, you know, disgusting. He's, you know, he's not normal. And that is a definitive characteristic of Darth Vader. You start doing that to everybody else, Darth Vader doesn't seem as important anymore. Do you see what I'm saying? And that stuff was keeping Darth Vader alive. But now they're able to do it where it doesn't affect them physically. Again, the rules of Star Wars state that everything in this world is not perfect. You know, that's, that's, what, that's what this time period is about. Everything is run down and used and things aren't in order. Now, you could argue that this takes place after Return of the Jedi. But still, even in the prequel days, they didn't have that kind of technology. So... I just, I, there's no stakes anymore. If someone gets shot, they can be revived. No big deal. A Boba Fett's like, oh, go lay in the bath the tank for a little while. I just, I don't see, there's, there's nothing that's going to keep me on the edge of my seat or make me, you know, anxious about the life or death of a character because everyone can be revived. So that's, that's one issue I had. That's the main issue I had with this show. No one can die. You know, because there's just no point. Now, we'll talk about Cad Bane. I'm sorry, Cobb Vanth in a second. Um, I'm going to take a look and see what you guys are saying in the comments. And then we'll talk about Cobb Vanth because I have I have some thoughts on this post credit scene. Um, again, guys, if you're watching this live, I see, you know, there's some more of you on Twitch and YouTube. Go in the comments. Let me know what you thought. And um, I'll be happy to share them here or talk to you about it. Sith Care Bear says Robert Rodriguez should be allowed to do Star Wars again. Oh, thank you for bringing that up. Look, I was so beyond excited to learn Robert Rodriguez was going to start making Star Wars. He's got to be one of my favorite filmmakers. I think he's really talented and he's really good at what he does. And he's one of the only filmmakers out there who knows how to turn in a project under budget. He's a smart guy, and I think he's really talented, but I, I agree. I don't think Robert Rodriguez knows how to do Star Wars. He was good for that one episode in, in uh, The Mandalorian, the Boba Fett episode. But then he comes on to the role of executive producer of this show and leading it creatively. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. I don't know if it had to do with the storytelling or his directing choices, or the fact that he loves playing in that low-budget field. Because there were some shots in this episode, too, that were kind of McClunky. But I, I kind of agree with you, Sith Care Bear. Creatively, I don't think you should lead the ship anymore. And that hurts for me to say, because I'm a massive Robert Rodriguez fan. Josh says, it was not on the level of Mando and the Marvel shows production-wise. Um... I would partially agree with you, but I also don't think that 
some of the Marvel shows have a good production value either. Now, that's kind of unfair because it's television. So there, there is less production value. But I, aside from episode five and six, I agree with that notion. Um, Josh also says it made Luke's cameo in Mando a cheap gimmick. Uh, exactly. That's, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. You know, it's kind of that Cad Bane thing over and over. You know, having Luke show up was a huge moment. He was going to take Grogu away and train him, help him discover who he is and learn the force. And that's what we were leading up to for two seasons, for two whole years of the show. And then he gets him. And then what? A month or two later, it's like, eh, you can go home to daddy. You made a choice. Well, then what, what, what were we doing? <laughs> what, what were we doing for the past two years? Since 2018 when that show came out? I just, I don't know. It's, it's whatever, you know. I, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, 30 butt shots. You like that? <laughs> he did get shot in the butt. You can see it in the Thundercats. Thank you. That is the musician's name. Where is his um, picture? Here we go. Thundercats. That's the that's the band that this guy's in. He makes that song. I don't know what it's called, but Thundercat. Thank you. That's the name. Also. My reaction immediately after watching this episode was it took me seven weeks to figure out that the theme song of Boba Fett is some guy saying Boba Fett over and over and over. <laughs> Did anyone else catch that? He's the, the singer. He's like, Boba, 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 Boba Fett. Boba 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 Fett Bo. <laughs> it made me like it way less. I don't know. I it it was weird. It was a weird revelation to hear that. Robin says BDH on the other hand needs a full project for herself ASAP. What is BDH? Broad BDH. What is that? Oh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah, I I think, okay, look, <clears throat> to be honest with you, I love Deborah Chow, but I would have actually rather have Bryce Dallas Howard take over the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Bryce Dallas Howard is an amazing director. She's doing fantastic work, not just in Star Wars. She directed an episode of that British show about future, the, about the future technology. What is it called? Oh my God, I can't remember. But she directed an episode of that that she also starred in and it was phenomenal. And I think she's a great director. Bryce Dallas should definitely have some more Star Wars. Give her something that she can lead creatively too. I, I totally agree with that. And it looks like some other people do as well. So let's talk about Cobb Vanth real quick. Cobb Vanth was in this episode again, but only at the tail end of it. Look at him there, sitting in a tank, chilling out. Chilling out, relaxing, acting all cool, sitting in the bath, the tank by the pool. Cobb Vanth. Okay, where do I start? So he was obviously not dead. We all knew that last week. He got shot in the shoulder. And then when it cuts to him laying on the ground, you can see him breathing. And it was done intentionally to show that he was alive. 
But then in this show, in this episode, when all the people of Freetown come... That's a stupid name, by the way. Freetown? They changed the name from Moss Pelgo to Freetown? <laughs> it reminds me of that um, like Nickelodeon show, Happy Town, or whatever it's called. I don't know, but Freetown? <laughs> because, because they're free of crime. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> Cobb... Uh, Cadbane should have shot Cobb in the butt 30 times. That way, Chrysanthemum doesn't feel too bad about taking all the heat in the ass. But anyway, blaster bolts to the ass. That's got to be rough, buddy. Anyway, so Cobb Vanth, not dead. They kind of had to, they teased it that he would potentially die, but let's face it, everyone loves Timothy Elephant and. You know, they love him in the show. They love him as Cobb, who is a legacy character, so to speak, from the novels. But when the people of Freetown arrive to help Boba Fett and aid them in this war, quote, <laughs> they say to them, the guy's just like, he, he shot him in cold blood. And Boba's like, I'm sorry about what happened. And they're paying respect to the idea of this guy being dead. And they implied that he died by saying he was shot in cold blood. And it's like, then at the post credit scene, they show him lying in the bath tank. And it's like, okay, well, there was, there was really no reason to... Why is he in a bath tank if he just got shot in the shoulder? Here's what should have happened. He should have came to the fight with the other people of Freetown. <laughs> and he should have had like a little a sling on his arm. He got shot in the shoulder. He got shot in the shoulder. Chrysanthemum took 30 blows to his rear, and he's fine. He can't die. Cobb Vanth, he got shot on the shoulder. Come on, dude. Come on. And it's a blaster bolt, so it cauterizes the wound as it goes through your body. I'm, I'm being rude at this point. But anyway, that's, that's my thoughts on Cobb Vanth. He's coming back. Look at that. I really hope they don't do a Boba Fett season two because, to be honest with you, the show didn't go anywhere. And there were still a bunch of loose ends at the end, like uh, the the huts. They're just totally gone now? Just totally out? They're afraid of the pikes that much? They had way more power than the pikes. They had way more jurisdiction than the pikes. They actually allowed the pikes to run spice through the city, so why are they on the opposite side of them? I don't understand. And then also all the other factions of gangs in the Mos Espa, instead of remaining neutral when the war came to town, they actually joined the pikes. So one, they lied about what they did. And then at the end, they're apparently all happy-go-lucky again. I don't think so. That doesn't make sense to me. They're not adversaries right now. Okay? I don't know. What else do we got? Fennec, again, had nothing to do. Yeah, she took out the mayor, which was really cool. But we needed more Fennec Shand, I thought. Uh, the droids, the little droid machines with the gunners on them that took out the townspeople. If if they have bubble shields and you you said in dialogue that our weapons are no match for them, then why do you continue to shoot them? <laughs> it was frustrating. It was frustrating to watch. You know? And these things have the worst aim ever because all of those town folk should have died again but even if they did it's okay because we have a bath of the tank and mod people that can you know help augment your body to protect you so it would have been fine if they actually got shot yeah 
So who cares? And then I'm just going to put up this photo of Baby Yoda and Mando flying because uh, <laughs> I like this shot. Anyway, that those are my thoughts on this chapter. Again, I was, I was being a little rude at times. I tried to share positives. But I thought it could have been a lot better. Do I want a season two? No, I'm not interested. And who knows? But um, I'm going to take one last look at the chat here and see. Thank you. Thank you, Josh and McFly, for saying Black Mirror. That was the name of the show that I was thinking of that Bryce directed. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, Robin says they kind of make fun of it because it's like we're a free town. Free town sounds like lazy town. Lazy town. That's what I was thinking of. Lazy town. Um, but yeah, if you guys are watching this on the playback or on the podcast audio platform, such as Spotify, Apple, Overcast, Stitcher, etc., for one, subscribe, hit the like button, rate and review, leave a comment. You can do comments now on Spotify. So let me know what you guys think of Boba Fett as a whole and this chapter. And Let's have a conversation about it too. I'm doing more community posts where you can interact with me a little bit better. They're doing pretty well, surprisingly. I get more comments on the community posts than on my videos, which is kind of weird, but anyway. And don't forget to subscribe on the audio platforms as well because there's way more episodes there where you can come and check that out. Again, on Monday, we're doing a new episode called Balance of the Force and What Is It? What is Balance? Breaking that down from different point of views and throughout all the different trilogies. So there's that. That's the show today, guys. Boba Fett's over. I'm also kind of relieved that we get to move on and start doing the regular podcast again where we talk about other things in Star Wars and not just Boba Fett. So I'm looking forward to it. Again, let me know your thoughts in the comments. I look forward to seeing you guys again. And now, somehow, someway, somewhere this week, may the Force be with you. So who talks first? You talk first. I talk first.